Hi everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, and experts from both Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journeys into this growing and exciting industry, giving you some insight into the ecosystems that help you to take part in the fight against climate change and benefit from the opportunities it can represent podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speakers, their perspectives on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. Second part of the discussion will be for members of our community who will learn the speaker's secret sauce on how to and share with you their unique expertise on topics such as fundraising, management, strategy and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. So before we start, I would like to quickly share what we are doing at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech founders in accessing resources and gaining visibility with investors they seek. Our initiatives include a membership-based community platform offering access to a dedicated Slack group with a growing number of founders, experts, and investors from around the world and a series of exclusive content such as interviews, weekly job listings, events, and our quarterly online pitch of night opportunity. But more than a place where you can learn, exchange, and grow, we are building a matchmaking service to facilitate connections between our members and top investors and experts in the field. And soon, alongside with other top investors, we will be launching a small fund to co-invest in the growth and acceleration of our members. Finally, all of this is possible because of your support and donations. We are a small self-funded team, and we want you to be part of this collective movement against climate change. So please share one episode with a friend and subscribe to the channels. As an added bonus, we will plant a tree for each of our subscribers each time we reach 1,000 new fans or donors. Do not hesitate to connect with me via social media or email guillaume at Startup Basecamp. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope to get in touch with you soon. And now, let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we are speaking with Kim Baker, Director of Innovation at Elemental Accelerator, a global program supporting early-stage climate tech founders. I was excited to have Kim on the show and learn more about how the whole Elemental team is on a mission to redesign the systems at the root of climate change. So far, they invested in over 100 growth stage companies and celebrated more than a dozen exits, funded more than 70 technology projects, and built a platform for scaling equitable market-driven solutions to climate change. Kim will share with you an overview of the climate tech ecosystem today. Where are we at and what needs to happen to ensure the climate ecosystem can fully support the 2050 net zero goal? She will cover with you in detail our elemental selects and support founders with their different initiatives in place. Finally, Kim will share how they evaluate impact in companies they support with their programs. In the second part of the show, Kim will give a secret source for founders seeking to fundraise. Then she will cover the challenges that she sees for climate tech teams seeking to scale and go global. Finally, she will give her insights on how she maintains a healthy work-life balance 
as mother, an investor, and our founder. Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. We are super happy and excited to, uh, to have you here today. So before uh, we start, could you give us, please, like a 30-second introduction about Elemental Accelerator? Yeah, I'd love to. And thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. Elemental Accelerator is a growth stage accelerator. Uh, we're located in the Bay Area and Honolulu, Hawaii. We've been around for about 10 years and we work at the intersection of climate and equity. And so it's really exciting work. To date, we've funded 117 companies. Uh, we've awarded over $43 million to the companies in our portfolio. And they've gone on to raise one and a half billion dollars in follow-on funding. Um, and we work through something that we call a demonstration project. And that's ultimately kind of like a pilot to the outside industry. And we've done about 70 of those to date. So overall, the portfolio has had about 20 exits. Um, and we work with companies that are seed to Series C in a variety of ways, which we can talk about a little later. Um, <clears throat> And we work across kind of all of the sectors that touch climate. So that includes energy, water, mobility, agriculture, circular economy, and kind of everything that might come in between. Fantastic. So let, let's start by the, by the top. Can you tell us a bit more about your story uh, and, and your background? Uh, maybe anything uh, you know, specific that you, can, uh, yeah. that you can share that is not public yet, what you, what you like. I mean, who is Kim? I, I love this question. This is a question we ask our founders all the time because it really starts with like, who are you as a person, as a human, and what do you what do you care about in the world? Um, so my role today is director of innovation at Elemental, and I took a very nonlinear path to get here, uh, probably a little bit unexpected. Um, by degree, I I was an engineer for undergrad. Um, kind of before environmental engineering was even really a program. I was sitting in the chemical engineering department doing a few extra classes here and there. I quickly evolved out of that program and realized that engineering wasn't really for me. Um, however, it opened my eyes just drastically to the way that things are working in the world. Um, and it wasn't great. It was not pretty by any means. I found myself Uh, in a lot of industrial warehouses and kind of waste units and refineries going like, this is not, this is not the way to the future. Like, this is not great. Um, I have a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot of skeletons in those closets. And, and so I took a step back and really tried to understand the parts of the job that I loved, which was ultimately kind of pushing for the future using science and technology as an enabler, um, but ultimately I really liked the connection with people. And so uh, throughout kind of that, that long path of working in a variety of uh, engineering related places in the market, industrial, water, or waste management, um, I started working on things related to sustainability and went on to get my MBA in sustainable management. And that led me to work on some early programs as they were getting stood up in California, the climate, uh, the California Climate Action Registry, um, the San Francisco Green Business Program. And that's when the light bulb really went off like, oh, this is my this is my place in the world. So after I completed my MBA, I actually started a company. So I did 
I did learn more probably during those three or four years at a startup than I did, you know, the entire decade that came before that. Uh, so I've walked a day in the shoes of the entrepreneurs that, that we work with today that I, I work with. Um, the, the technology was rooted in biomimicry. So a lot of concepts of kind of cradle to cradle using nature as a guide. And then after that startup, I went on to work for a growth stage company. So I really like sat at a variety of places across the industry. I've worn a ton of hats along the way. Um, but really what I love to do is help founders, um, remove those roadblocks and, and use their solutions for large corporations to do better or for municipalities to sort of unlock a challenge that they might have because at the end of the day, it all ties back to the people, both the customer and the people that are building the solution. Uh, so that's a little bit about my path and I can, I can you know, dig into a little bit more if, if you'd like. No, I mean, I think you, uh, you, you already gave us a, a very uh, nice intro about yourself. The only thing that I didn't hear is like, what are you passionate about uh, on the side of, uh, you know, of work? Ah, okay. Well, um, I have two small children, which has been an interesting uh, year and a half with them mostly home with us. Um, but as, as often as we can, we're out on the ocean, at the beach, hiking, camping, kind of anything that we can do outdoors. And actually in the past year and a half, we've been able to continue doing most of that um, for, for the time being. So it's been really, it's been really fun. Thank you so much. So can you give us a little bit uh, the overview according to you of the climate tech uh, ecosystem today? Like where are we at? Uh, I mean, we hear a lot about this uh, climate tech and especially now that we are digging more and more into it uh, on our side. Realize that uh, there's so many new initiatives and funds and, uh, and and programs happening. So, but what, according to you, what needs to happen to have the, the climate tech ecosystem in a way being able to fully support the 2050 net zero goal? It's a big challenge and it's going to take as many hands coming together as possible both on the funding side and on the, the execution and the delivery side of the technology, right? It takes kind of a village to carry a company through the, the execution phases of commercialization. And that's really how we're going to get there. But ultimately it's been an evolution and Elemental has kind of been along for the ride for, for the last 10 years, kind of, you know, thinking about in terms of an accelerator, how do we work with hardware or how do we work with a really capital intensive solution that might need more years to grow up? It's not a, it's not a software solution where you flip a button or flip a switch and all of a sudden you've got this amazing product and your customers are in line. It, it looks a little bit different. And so we've seen the evolution from the buzzwords of like clean tech, climate tech. And I think this, this year, the shift really was everyone's eyes were <clears throat> opened very wide, whether they were ready for it or not, to the concepts around equity and how that also intersects climate, because they're very related issues. And so we think the next 10 years is really going to be focused on this intersection point, climate tech across equity, because the climate solutions that are going to be the ones that stick and the ones that really sort of drive home this big systems change that we're looking for will also be the most equitable. And that comes in like a variety of ways. It comes how, you know, how do they engage with the community around them? But it also is a lot of how you build a company. What is the team structure? What is the board structure? Is there diversity of experience and opinions? 
on that team. Um, and actually in our last cohort, in our 2020 cohort, 50% of the companies are led by women and half have a founder that identifies as a person of color. And so these are principles that we've been looking at for a very long time. And we really think that kind of the industry as a whole will, will lean into this. Okay, so can we let's go now a little bit more in, uh, in specific about uh, Elemental Accelerator? Like, can you let us know more about it? Like, at first, I saw that the, the structure is like a non-profit. So why why non-profit? And maybe what does it bring more than a traditional structure, uh, as you can see in the other uh, side of the industry? Uh, and then I saw that you guys also have a policy lab. Uh, so how does it work? What does it bring into uh, into the into the program? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's amazing that we're structured as a nonprofit because it allows us to do more than probably the typical program. We're not a venture capitalist. We're not a typical accelerator program. Our breadth uh, in our scale is much, much wider and it's much deeper in the way that we engage with, with our portfolio and, and with the ecosystem in general. And so I'll share kind of some of our key themes um, and key goals with you. And that probably will give a little bit of context of what we're up to. And so we're looking to catalyze $10 billion into the climate tech industry. So that's both our portfolio as well as the ecosystem in general. And some of the ways that we're looking to think about that and do that is provide an, a, a, an access point that's fair and equitable and that allows you know, various founders of various or, origins to actually tap into the capital that is now kind of out there. We hear about it all the time, all this money coming into the sector. The next one is to advance policies that scale climate um, solutions across the globe. And so that ties into the thinking of the policy lab. And we're here in July and we're deep into our due diligence process. We, we work on a cohort-based model. So for a couple of months every year, we're talking to just an incredible amount of companies that are tracking you know, the key indicators, the key barriers, the key policies that they need to unlock to be successful. And so we're standing up a team to kind of better align what we're thinking and what we're working on with you know, the solutions that others are building out in the marketplace. The next one is to deploy 500 climate solutions with industries and community partners. And that's ultimately kind of the accelerator piece of it. Those are those demonstration projects that I was talking about. And when we look to do one demonstration project that we ultimately co-fund with a customer in the industry, we're looking to turn that into 10x scale in the next couple of years. And so we hope to create sort of this flywheel and generate this commercial activity so that companies can get through what we call the commercial valley of death, which ultimately follows the technology valley of death, but is a very real challenge for companies, especially hardware companies to kind of manage and work through. And so with that, we're building out a corporate partnerships program as well, because ultimately you can have the best solution in the world, but you need that customer too. Um, and then the others that follow are um, scaling. Um, scaling these insights. So we're constantly collecting the information and the data around what we're learning, both our team, the partners that we have out in the world, and ultimately the portfolio, because these are the people on the ground every day. And then finally, um, to launch 10,000 climate careers. And I know that sounds like a really big number, but just this year to our internship program that we had, we had 
well over a thousand applicants. Um, so the, the, the like desire and the need is certainly there. And we house those both internal to our organization. And we also place them out into the startups in our portfolio so that people are learning and building together um, kind of at that early onset of their career. And especially those that may not have that natural trajectory into you know, the clean tech or the climate tech world. It's not always a linear path like I shared shared earlier. I wish when I was in high school or college, someone handed me a paid internship at a company to really experience what life looks like on the other side. So those are a couple of kind of the big um, key indicators that we're looking at in terms of how we're thinking about our place in the world as a nonprofit. Okay. And can you tell us a bit more about like the, the source of funding? Like where does it come from? Is it like traditional like LPs or is it like uh, other organization who is like uh, funding uh, this nonprofit in a way? Yeah, it's multi-tiered. Um, and so we think of it kind of as three three pillars of the stool, if you will. Um, the first is that we're funded through the U.S. Department of Defense Office of Navy Research. Um, and so we have grants that we're able to deploy. And then um, we work with philanthropic organizations. So kind of your typical family office. We've aligned with them over the years in terms of, you know, what their goals and aspirations are. And, and we've worked to kind of come together and build this program alongside them. And then the third is, is a little bit of, it, it's a little bit multi-tiered. Um, it comes partially from the small donations that corporations that align with us as well. Uh, they will give us a donation over the years that they are connected to us. Um, and then the last thing, which is happening more and more these days, which is really awesome, is the funds that we receive from an exit or an acquisition uh, go right back into the pool of money that is then shared again, either with our existing portfolio or the, the companies that we're able to fund in the future. Fantastic. So let's go a little bit deeper into the, into the program for founders. Um, so I saw that there's like three different elements. Maybe you can uh, cover that a little bit. How is the, the journey uh, after the application? Um, you, the, the, the funding team uh, got selected and then uh, maybe you can tell us a bit more about that selection process like uh, and then during the program what do you uh, offer to those uh, to those founders like why uh, should they come to uh, elemental accelerator and not to uh, another accelerator that is also helping non uh, climate tech uh, companies that's a great question and it goes back to kind of it takes a village so it's so great to see that there are opportunities out there and we often work closely with other accelerator programs um, either geography specific or sector specific we work we work with them kind of in real time so first perhaps i'll start with the different ways uh the three ways that we engage with a company and then i'll talk a little bit about the process yeah. and so we have three ways the first is what we call strategy track. Strategy track is eligible for a $200,000 um, donation or exchange into the company. And that's ultimately for companies that are a little bit earlier or companies that have been around for a while, but are really looking to focus on something kind of new and different. It's a coaching based track. Um, and so we work through modules and some of the foundational modules include the concepts of equity and access. How do you build an equitable company or board, as I mentioned earlier? Um, other workshops that we have are sales and growth, operational scale up. 
and then when you're this really young kind of call it five to 10 person company, the flow of capital and resources becomes really important. And we find that the work that we do on these one-on-one coaching-based models or in the cohort together as they go through these workshops really helps allocate what that funding will be used for, what sales channels they're going to stand up, which customer they're going to sell to first. So that's the work that comes in the strategy track. The project track is eligible for $500,000. I mentioned it before, but we do demonstration projects. Um, Most people will hear pilot projects and that probably resonates with with most. And so we're looking for a commercial co-funder to participate in that. And we have about 16 months to deploy the funds and the project. And so we co-design a project with the customer in mind. And we do so using a new, uh, maybe a new term for some, Uh, what we call a square partnership. And ultimately the key difference here is in the square, you have Elemental, the startup, the the customer or the the co, um, you know, the the person who's sharing the cost share, but also we build in the community right from the beginning. And so we really value very highly the community partner or the community-based organization. So that's what we're up to there. And then the newest track, which was just launched this year actually, was kind of a cultivation of a lot of learnings over time and things we were piloting internal to our portfolio, but it's the global track. The project track is focused just in California's frontline communities in Hawaii. Uh, The global track is focused anywhere in the world. So same concept. Uh, We're thinking that it's probably best fit for a later stage company, at least a series A company or even series B or C. It's a little bit lighter touch and it's for 300K eligibility to do the same exact thing, to do a demonstration project that really unlocks a new market, a new geography, a new product offering. Um, You know, some companies are coming to us saying, I have this great B2B offering, but I really want to integrate a B2C offering. So that's the kind of work we're thinking about there. Um, And so how how you go through the process is, it's really an art, actually. Um, it's less of a like check the box and more of a we want to get to know you. We want to know how you think. We want to know what future you're building. Because again, as a nonprofit, we care about you know the future success, the, the, the whole story. But we also care about the impact that these companies want to create in the world and how we can actually help them get there. Um, from the start, we're, of course, looking at some basic kind of criteria. Do you have two full-time employees? Do you have a working prototype? After that, we're looking for technical fit. Do we think there's a real problem in one of the places that we work? Is this an urgent need? And then from there on out, it's really where the art comes in and probably what's unique to Elemental. We're looking for project fit. Can we achieve what what we've thought about in the project and the time allocated? Is the cost share partner the right partner? Is the community engagement piece there? Um, And then finally, and probably this comes with with all investors, is do we believe in the team? Do they have the grit and the passion to really do this work? Because it's hard work, um, but we're all passionate about it to the point where we're willing to sort of get in there, get our hands dirty, and and really kind of take a long viewpoint of it. Um, And so once you're in the portfolio, that's kind of when the fun begins. If you're in strategy track, it's a nine-month engagement going through the coaching in the um, cohort-based model. And then I mentioned this already, but in one of the project tracks, Project or Global, uh, it's, it's about a 16-month engagement. And 
you know, sometimes we take board observer roles, if that makes sense for the company to help remove some of those roadblocks, sometimes related to policy is a great example. Um, other roadblocks could be, you know, how, how you scale up manufacturing, that type of thing. Um, and then it's really off, off to the races. Once you're an elemental po portfolio company, we give back in as many ways as we possibly can, but we're really looking to build that peer network because having a shoulder to lean on and having someone to, to kind of listen to those really hard problems that you're going through as a founder can be just the difference between, you know, being really successful or really struggling through something. And so that's what, that's what we're here for. Fantastic. So, uh, how do you uh, source those uh, those different founders and, and team? Where do you where do you find them? Great question. And this is probably one of the most fun parts of the job that I do. So we we have a fishing analogy. Um, coming from Hawaii, you probably won't be surprised to hear that. But we cast the net wide. And so that's kind of all the outreach that we're doing in terms of media and, and sort of social uh, presence around the world. We talk at conferences a lot. We judge a lot of competitions. And then we spearfish. And what we mean by that is the partners that are in our ecosystem, in the places and the communities that are in our ecosystem, sometimes have very specific problems that they're looking to solve or gaps in their, their portfolios that they're looking to fill. So we'll go kind of side by side, hand in hand with them and go find those solutions that actually, you know, have the potential to fill the gap. And then the last way is what we consider a fishing pond. We cultivate the relationship for a long time. And because we do work with companies that are a little bit later stage, um, maybe as compared to some other accelerators, sometimes the conversation is three years long. And so we'll track a founder, we'll track a company, we'll help them with a light touch way over time until we feel like the timing is right and the fit is there to actually invite them to participate in our portfolio. And so we cultivate the fish pond in, in a variety of ways too. Fantastic, I love the, the fishing analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, according to you, uh, which sectors of the uh, climate tech uh, industry, or I would say everything needs to be decarbonized, but what would be the one that is the most promising today in terms of like impact uh, cash returns or ICR, I call it, meaning like uh, building impactful companies while creating highly uh, profitable and scalable uh, businesses? The million dollar question, or maybe the billion dollar question. <laughs> um, well, I, I personally come from the water industry and the circular economy industry itself. And so maybe I'll, I'll start there. I think a lot's happening in the energy sector. A lot has already been funded in that sector. We've seen solar, you know, grow tremendously over the past years. And so there will be continued innovation in the energy sector. Um, but I think it's some of the adjacent sectors where the thought really should funnel into and the, the dollars should follow because everything's ultimately connected. And when we solve for one problem in one industry, it kind of is, is you know, a, a launching point to save more energy or more water, et cetera. And so ultimately what, what I love to see is something that's creating system change. I'll give you an example. So in the water industry, it's like really antiquated. It takes a long time to sell. The customers are slow to move. And the job has been done the same way for years and years and years. And so what I love to see is not an entrepreneur that comes and says, too hard, 
it's going to take me 10 years to be revenue positive, but instead to come up with a business model innovation. So it's not necessarily around what the best widget or technology is. It's around how is this business crafted so that there's no more excuses. And I'm seeing this more and more, you know, the concept of shifting to a services model, something as simple as that, all of a sudden allows the customer to be able to afford the upfront capital expense. And so I think in that industry specifically, it's the business model innovation that's going to get us to where we want to go. In the circular economy industry, we think a lot about the one-to-many model um, and what that means in terms of job creation and in terms of kind of the, the accelerator or the multiplier effect. If a company has a one-to-many model in the circular economy, their supply chains um, are stabilized all of a sudden. Their ability to make one small step change as an, one organization and then sort of have that ripple out into their network is key. And that's how we're starting to see small businesses are enabled through this step change created by an early stage company. One example is uh, thrilling. And so this is an online vintage marketplace. And during the pandemic, she actually supported thousands of small businesses around the country because of her ability to have this one-to-many model. When she made this small tweak to her system, it all of a sudden unlocked the ability for small businesses to stay alive during the pandemic and also create wealth for themselves, but also the communities around them. And so I think that concept is probably key in terms of like, how do we get there to these big lofty goals? It's the one-to-many model and just finding the technologies that, that solve for that, that allow that. I think that this is a, a good segue for, for my, uh, my next question. And I think it's really related to this, uh, this impact. Uh, and so if you mentioned uh, previously in the conversation that uh, impact uh, matters uh, a lot uh, for uh, Elemental. So, but how do you measure uh, this impact? Do you have any like uh, specific process or framework or uh, in terms of tech, do you validate that tech with some uh, experts or scientists? Uh, and maybe do you have any criteria in terms of like CO2, uh, you know, removed or avoid thanks to the uh, deployment of that new technology or maybe social impact? How does it work? Yes, this is something that we constantly iterate on. Um, and in terms of the technical validation, we don't do that internally ourselves, but that's where we would rely on our external network, whether our partners or the community organizations that we know, the people that really have, have done the hard lift and the hard look at some of these technologies. Um, so I think that answers that piece. And then in terms of impact, this is something we talk about every single day internally and in the one, one way that we've defined it for ourselves is the concept of a commercial inflection point. And so that's a, that's a term that we've coined, commercial inflection point. And there's some obvious things that come in there. And then there's some less obvious things that come in there. And the reason why we don't just say, you know, how much money have you raised post our investment is because that's not always the key indicator for companies or how much carbon have, have you saved? That's not always the key indicator of a company's success or, or our impact ultimately. So commercial inflection points include, like I said, the obvious, um, a round of funding closed or a key you know, elephant type of customer that you've just secured or a business model um, that you've now kind of created in order to unlock a greater region. But it also includes concepts like 
you built an equity to your board or you have, you know, hired a new leadership team to execute the plan. So there's a lot that kind of comes together with this. Um, you've created a new community engagement model in order to get to the future of where you need to do, where you need to go in order to have the adoption rates that, that you hope to see. And so there, there's, you know, a dozen or so of these concepts of commercial inflection points. And yes, of course, we ask the, the kind of basic questions, what's your carbon savings or, you know, in a water application, how much water are you saving? But it's not always obvious, right? In the thrilling example, it's really hard to drill down into thrilling enables the circular economy of clothing. And then in turn, what does that translate to? And so we have these conversations with a much bigger lens to really understand how we're creating this system that will kind of lead itself to the carbon savings that we're looking for. So thank you so much for sharing uh, all of those uh, super valuable insights. Um, so how can the, the community of listeners could uh, help you today? Well, what I always say is if you are a founder, come and check us out and get to know us. There's a lot of content out there. Definitely feel free to apply um, over the next year or so. If you're an investor, you know, take a look at something that you might not think is an obvious fit in your portfolio because these adjacent markets really are going to be how we create the change. I just talked to a fascinating company. I'm going to try not to say too much. I just talked to a fascinating company that's like, you know, we're number three on the, on the scale of carbon sequestration capabilities. So everyone's going to number one and number two, but actually we can do it so much cheaper and thus achieve a greater impact because of the cost benefit, even though it's like, you know, incrementally less than the top two that everyone's chasing. So that's what I, I would encourage investors. And then If you're maybe not one of those two parties, help in any way you can offer to make a connection. Connections are key. If you're a corporation, I think the best thing that I, I've always told the, the friends that we have kind of in the corporate innovation teams is sometimes getting to a fast no is even as valuable as getting to a fast yes, because for a, a startup, it's all about the runway. Um, and if you're going to drag your feet for too long, it, it's really a stressor on the company. And so I'd love to see the yeses out there, but if it's not, I think just be as transparent as possible. Okay. So any question I, I should have asked and I did not for this part of the interview? Ooh, I think we covered it. You asked some good questions. Fantastic. Kim, thank you so much for uh, spending the time uh, with us. Uh, exciting and very interesting uh, uh, content and insight that you, uh, that you gave us. So thank you so much. And I hope uh, we can uh, definitely uh, you know, spread the word about uh, this incredible job that uh, you guys do to uh, many more founders. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, in touch and collaborate uh, in, uh, in different, uh, different initiatives together. Thank you so much. Thank you.